Hello, welcome to another Weird Wednesday. This is Tina and Tori and I are so glad that you're here. Today, we spend a lot of time in the Bible as we are discussing angels. I think you guys are going to enjoy the conversation and as always, walk away encouraged. Towards the end of the episode, you'll hear us talk about a poll that we're going to post on our Instagram page. We would really like to see your guys' feedback, and if you listen, you'll find out why. Our Instagram page is at the Weird Wednesday Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube, where you will find past episodes and some short videos. You may email us, Tori is T-O-R-I at weirdwednesdaypodcast.com or you can email me tina at weirdwednesdaypodcast.com enjoy the episode and as always stay weird it's weird wednesday the weirdest (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you guys it really has been I was going to say, it does feel like a pretty weird Wednesday. (laughs) Yep. It's been weird. What's your what's your what's weird? You're going to love it. So I was on the socials again and I saw this video and it just made me really curious because we haven't really brought it up before. And um, do you think Hollywood kills people and makes clones of them? That is not what I thought you were going to ask me. (laughs) Because I saw this video of Clone Ye West in his new new video, and it doesn't sound anything like him, (sighs) and it's super weird, borderline demonic. With Kanye... Clone I think Kanye's gone. Don't say that. That um, makes me so sad. That's why I'm asking you. <gasps> Do you think it was before or after his divorce with Kim? I think it was immediately after. Oof. Dude, that guy they've had bit they've had parading around with that Kim lookalike is not Kanye West. Mm. So to answer your question. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I sent you that one video where I feel like I, I want to answer this really seriously, but I also... <laughs> <laughs> Go with your gut. Go with okay. your gut on this one. <laughs> My gut is that if they are willing to post... There are people in Hollywood who come out and say that they joke that you have to sell yourself to the devil in order to get into Hollywood. There was even a infamous rapper. I want to say it was like the Triple X Intense guy. I highly doubt that's actually his name, but I know exactly what he looks like. He wrote, oh, Tenacious. Was it Tenacious? Something like that. He was one of the people in that video that was saying, I know that most of you are probably better rappers out there, but because... I did whatever I did to get into this industry. That's why I'm where I'm at. But he said that in that video, and now he's no longer alive. I can't help but feel like that was tied to his. So why would they feel the need to clone some and not others? 
Do you think that has to do with their bloodline? Or maybe has to do... Hmm. Oh, gosh. Ugh, that's just gross. We need your blood to continue on. I mean, that's what would make the most sense to me. So yeah. my answer is yes. That doesn't make sense. And I can name off at least five that I think are clones. So. All right. <laughs> Thank you for answering my question. You're so welcome. Is that what your weird What's was? your something weird? <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I had a whole long list to choose from. And what we were saying before, there was at least one every single day. So I'm going to go with a lighter one. And that ties into our topic. I was chatting with a friend this week who loves listening to our podcast. Shout out to you, Michaela. Love you. And she (laughs) she was talking about how this these conversations have led her just to dive deeper into God's word, which we started talking about angels. And she sent me something on social media of, I don't know how old this is, but it was a news reporter talking about a couple who took this picture. And in the picture, you can evidently see an angel-like figure above their truck. And this was on Fox News. So this is for everybody to see. And they had a man, and I probably should know his name, and I'm sorry that I don't, who had an NDE experience or an NDE and came on and talked about how he 100% that believes that that is what it was. So I felt compelled. I guess I should also say we got into an accident yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um. A deer came out of nowhere where we live and which is not very uncommon, but I could go into all the details of how it was very evident that the Lord had his hand on us. It was a two lane highway. One side's the embankment of the river and the other side's literally a mountain rock. And so for us to be unscathed at all, our car, we could drive home and it hit directly onto us. And the timing of when the deer hit you was creepy. Very creepy. You don't have to go into the conversation, but you and your husband were talking about godly things and the enemy was like, nope. Yeah. And we hadn't talked most of that drive. It's a 45 minute drive from where we were were coming into home. And it was about 10 or 11 miles from home that we started having this conversation. And it was right then and there in the middle of that conversation that that deer just came out of nowhere and hit us. And so I felt compelled to look at the pictures we took because you obviously had to take pictures of damage. And there was on one of the very first pictures we took a picture on the picture was this swooshy greenish color that was almost smeared over my door and or or near, near my door. And I compared the photo from mine to the one that my friend had sent me and they're the same color. And I'm telling you guys, it was not a reflection. Mm-mm. It doesn't look like a beam of light. It doesn't look like a reflection of another light. It literally has a swooshy I don't I don't have any other word to explain it, but it looks like a spirit moving. Mm-hmm. So that was what was weird. And I can corroborate that. I did see the photo and I mean, there's just nothing that could have made that 
color and texture. So, and it was past twilight at that point, so there was no light really for anything to be reflected off of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just seemed very on brand with what we're going to be talking about and with the circumstances of what happened during the accident. It, was no surprise to me and that's why i felt compelled to look at the picture because i was like there's no way that we weren't protected so amen you were praise the lord praise the lord for that speaking of which here's a question for you Mm -hmm. when you think of angels what what was your typical idea of what they looked like what they what they are My perception of angels growing up was painted by two very prominent and classic movies. Hmm. My favorite angel, Clarence, from It's a Wonderful Life, who got his (laughs) wings when the bell rang. (laughs) So that's perception number one. Perception number two, angels in the outfield. They love to play baseball. So all that to say, I didn't really, I never really thought much about angels growing up. I saw pictures. My my very first checks from my bank had little baby cherubs on them. (laughs) (laughs) Or what's called cherubs. They're not actually, they're just cute Mm -hmm. little babies painted with little wings slapped on them, which in no way could actually bear the weight of those babies. Let's just say (laughs) they would, they would need much larger wings than what they're painted with. Inaccurate. (laughs) Can we test that please? (laughs) (laughs) They need those little baby wings and a jetpack. (laughs) Maybe they're, you know what? Actually, the image that popped in my head when he said that was the caterpillar from a bug's life when he transitions into a butterfly. I love that you are always have the Disney and Pixar references ready to go. Oh my gosh. But you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You think he's going to come out like this beautiful thing. <laughs> he's like a cherub version. That's what I'm saying. That's what I <laughs> pictured when you were saying all of that. <sighs> so how about you? So my great grandma collected angel figurines. And when she passed on, um, they were all passed down to me. Mm. And so very typical halo over the head wings. And majority of them were babies. And... I instantly think of that brand, Precious Moments. Mm -hmm. And when my mom first became a believer, bless her heart, everything was that brand. (laughs) And so, like, in terms of, you know, uh, what's it called? Devotionals and things like that, they were always Precious Moments. So that was kind of how, at least for a long time, I pictured them and then even, you know, when when I would read as an adult, I still pictured them with wings. That was mm-hmm. still my vision of them. But I had asked my husband what his pers- 
perception of angels are. And he says that it blows his mind that people have have or still do think of angels as either babies or like with these wings or just these pathetic things. What for what lack of a better term? What purpose would a baby angel serve? Like what exactly they, are they doing for the kingdom? I, other than look cute on memorabilia and <laughs> how is that going to make me feel safe? How am I going to my guardian angel's little tiny baby that's just like floating next to me? But he told me that he felt like that was very strange, very foreign to him because he's always, but he's also a guy's guy. But he's always envisioned angels as these buff, mighty warrior soldiers, mm -hmm. you know, because when he thinks of God's army, that's what he thinks of as these very mighty mighty men which is mm -hmm. more accurate than what i thought so I, I wish i asked my children i think that's probably how they picture them too because their middle names one's michael the other one's gabriel and when they were little i told them that i gave them those names because those are their personal guardian angels <laughs> oh my but my brother's name is gabe Gabriel and he was named after the angel also. So. Yeah. <laughs> Do they have the same one? <laughs> I mean, probably. I mean, they could. So, or they were very proud that those particular Aww. angels would be watching over them. So, so I think that they grew up thinking or knowing that angels are pretty tough and they mean business. And every night before bed, even to this day, we pray that God would send his angel armies to watch over all of us and protect us. So mm. I, interesting. I never thought about that, about the perception of angels that the kids have been raised with. Mm. I'm thankful that my husband's thoughts with angels and things like that are being passed on to, to my son. Cause he's, he's also, you know, for also a very guy guy and, mm -hmm. We, you know, tell him that if he gets afraid, you know, they're here, they're protecting you, they're watching you. And he, you can tell, feels safe. Well, and my older son for sure really, 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 really wants to be part of the army that comes back for Armageddon. Like, <laughs> he's been planning on this since he was a child, okay? <laughs> I'm not even surprised. <laughs> Is that what his hair cut is for? <laughs> so it's like flapping. He's like charging. <laughs> well, what's funny is the army doesn't even do anything. Jesus just speaks <laughs> and then everyone's <laughs> dead. Hey, but they represent. It they is. It up. is. It's like a show of force. <laughs> yes. They're, they're there to intimidate. I get it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I love him for that. So I wanted to say, I feel like... Many conversations get told about, you know, demonic things or just supernatural things in, in the evil way most of the time. And I know even we have had conversations of just different entities and things like that. Mm -hmm. And not saying that we can't have those conversations, but I felt like it was time for the good guys to get some recognition, you know? Agreed. So I'm really pumped about this episode because I just feel like we need to 
exalt that. You know, I feel like we need to finally talk about the good guy and not the villain. And so I really, I'm really excited to do this tonight. And yeah, it's a nice balance from last week's episode. Yeah. So I wanted to start off by saying that the term angels is more accurately used to describe the job description of what they really are, which are the heavenly hosts. The late Dr. Michael Heiser um, has said that if you look at Psalms 82, it talks about Elohim, which they use as a single term for God. And then he's speaking of the divine council and the same word for that is Elohim, but it has to be plural because of the context of the verse. And so that's kind of where he has developed this thought of God having a family with him in heaven and how we are his children here. He has these same beings that he has created um, with these specific authorities, the specific nature, which kind of goes into the late Dr. Michael Heiser kind of categorizes the heavenly hosts in three different what he calls buckets. And they have a nature, they have a status, and then they have a um, function. A lot of the time, we think of malak is the term for what we where we get angel in the first place, which means messenger or messengers of God. But that's not the right word to use every time when we're talking about these mess or these heavenly hosts in the Bible. And so I wanted to talk about something that kind of blew my mind and had me shift my thinking was how these names that we usually speak of when we're talking about heavenly hosts angels we think of like the cherubim like you what you were saying these babies with wings um you know the seraphim and so we have this misconception that all angels look like that that they all when you were if you were to see one or um when they're talking about it in the Bible, I'm sure many of us envision this being coming down in these white robes glowing with these giant wings. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how these names have created this false imagery for angels, making us think that that's how they all look. When in reality, there's only two times in the Old Testament where angels are described with any kind of differences in appearance than a human being. Like, let, let's, let's just let that sit there for a second. Only mm-hmm. two times. And there are three different scriptures I wanted to read where angels are a part of the, the verse or the story and kind of, you know, show how, okay, let's think of this verse in the context of, an actual person, like the way that they are being shown is in the image of a man. So the first verse is Hebrews 13.2, which says, don't neglect to show hospitality for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Or you would be able to tell if it was an angel, if they had wings, like, you know what I'm saying? 
so that to me shows that these angels are really presented as a a man mm-hmm. or a woman or woman yes represent that verse has always been really interesting to me and and i do find myself sometimes when i come across someone in need i do think man is this an angel that the lord's putting in front of me you know testing how i'm gonna react which you know the fact that someone's in need should be enough to cause action in me but that you know a verse like that it really sticks with you and I'll tell you, keeps you accountable sometimes. <laughs> I mean, really, though, especially in your line of work, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing all kinds of people all day long and mm-hmm. you just never know, you know. I'll tell you what, I've always wondered about this one woman before I got into social work. This is when I was doing my prereqs at a community college. I was working at a coffee shop. And she came in, she was really quiet. There was lots of people around. Um, another barista was helping her, didn't really converse with her. And I don't know, for some reason, I just felt a pull to have a conversation with her. And I did, and it was just like, oh, I like your jacket, where did you get it? And mm-hmm. just, you know, how it was winter time. How, are you enjoying the holidays? Just a very- like small talk. It was small talk. It was a very surface level conversation. Um, and then I made her, I made her drink. And then at the end she lit up and she was just talking about how much she needed that conversation, how much it meant to her. All that to say, I've always wondered about this lady. When I, Mm. when I think of that, I always think back to her because the circumstances, I mean, it was just such a humble, such a humble circumstance anyway. And not to say that every time you help an angel, you'll get a reward. You'll get a cash tip. (laughs) (laughs) But I always wondered. I really, I just, I never saw her again. I just always wondered about her. This topic really made me kind of reflect on past experiences with people. And I feel like you can definitely think back to specific encounters with some people and have that that thought, that wonder Mm -hmm. that has to be significant because you don't feel like that with every single encounter you have with people. Mm -hmm. But I can think of at least a handful where I've questioned, Hmm. I wonder if that was, you know, an angel, Mm -hmm. but they were people. They weren't glowing or with wings. I will say though, with that woman, I think the main reason I thought that was because she was an older lady, which allegedly cherubs are actually probably older. That's what Dr. Bissler said. Um, Anyway, there was something about her countenance that Mm. put that thought in my head. So the other verse I wanted to share was Genesis 19.1. And it says, the two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in Sodom's gateway. When Lot saw them, he got up to meet him, meet them. He bowed with his face to the ground and said, My lords, turn aside to your servant's house, wash your feet, and spend the night. Then you can get up early and go on your way. Again, you can't tell that they're anything more than what he would say are, you know, lords. 
And I feel like in that context, that's how they spoke of people who were of higher value than them. And so Joshua 5.13 says, When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, Are you for us or for your enemies or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground in homage and asked him, Why does my Lord want to say, What does my Lord want to say to a servant? And again, he describes this person as a man or describes this angel as a man. And so there are three different Hebrew words for or what the, the Bible describes the heavenly hosts. The first one is ruach, which means wind or spirit. The second is shamayim, which means heaven or sky, which kind of describes why also people tend to think of wings because they think of they're up there. And so how can you get back and forth from heaven to earth, you know, oh, wings, that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. the late Dr. Michael Heiser was talking about how he was describing why some of the cultural reasons that we would come up with this concept of wings for all of the heavenly hosts, because when they descend or ascend, it, our logic is, oh, they would fly. And it's really interesting, too, because Ruach is one of the terms to describe the Holy Spirit as well. Hmm. Which goes into the the last one I was going to share is um, Kadoshim, which means holy, commanding respect, awesome, and heavenly, them being heavenly beings. And something that um, Dr. Michael Heiser had said was some people might hear that as mistake holy as perfect when that's not the case because God is only perfect. It's merely describing how they're set apart. They were created for a purpose. They were created as they were sacredly created to be set aside for God's use, his service. He has a purpose and a plan and, and a job and a function for each of these beings. But who else has been set apart? Who else has been created for a purpose? Who else does he hold with high regard? His children, us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something I kind of wanted to kind of end my, my thoughts on it is what does it mean to be holy? People can mistake that as being perfect. And I don't think that God necessarily expects that because he knows that we're we're human and you know flawed but i feel like he also desires us though to live in a way that reflects his character because we're his children just as he holds these heavenly beings in this place of holiness and and sacredness he does so with us as well through what he did with jesus you know that's how Mm -hmm. he bought bought our souls bought us to be heirs but the point is is what what god is saying when he calls us holy it's almost as if he's placing his mark on us 
he's I I just picture him saying you belong to me you are a part of my family and if we take that seriously that's what leads us to wanting to live holy and the beautiful part about that is God gave us an example to live by Jesus. He lived his life in a way that was holy and pleasing to the Lord as not, yes, he was God, but he was also fully human. And so I feel like, yes, we are flawed. Yes, we have a sin nature. Yes, there's temptations around us and all those things, but so did Jesus. Jesus had all of those same obstacles that we could use as, and I don't mean to sound harsh, but as excuses. And I'm speaking to myself that, Mm -hmm. you know, I like to justify why I do things or why I'm sinning or why I can't fully live holy because, you know, I'm a human God. You know that I can't do that. You know that once sin entered this world, like there's, there's only a certain bar that I can hit, but I just, I don't know if I really believe that anymore, especially when you think of that aspect and what you said, that great point of Ruach, meaning the same word for the Holy Spirit, that if that, okay, having a revelation, (laughs) if that is the same word used as the nature of the heavenly hosts and that same nature lives inside of us. Amen. I'm just saying, guys. I'm just saying. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that because I felt that really, that being the theme of what I got out of everything that I had learned this last week. But mm-hmm. what did you have to share with what you learned? So, I have two thoughts that I want to share. Um, the first one, I'm going to take you on a little journey with a man who once lived, whose name was Albert Einstein. Oh, that's not who I was expecting. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just going to preface this section of my TED talk with these ideas were developed and articulated by minds way more intelligent than mine. And so bear with me, but the reason I'm sharing it is because it's probably one of the most exciting concepts that I've ever learned about angels. And so I'm going to share it with you. And just so that everybody knows, when I tend to get to geek out and get really nerdy about exciting, dorky, biblical information I've learned, it's usually from one of three men. And the interesting part is that they've all kind of built upon one another's work. And so you can find similar ideas amongst all of their work. um, But each subsequent generation builds on the information, which is beautiful, which is the the way it should be. So the three men that I most commonly study are J. Vernon McGee. I don't know if you've ever heard from him. He used to have this old radio broadcast um, where he read through the entire Bible. 
and he was a pastor and also a biblical scholar and just unbelievably insightful into the word of God. Super cool to listen to. If you guys, you can find him on YouTube, um, Spotify, Apple podcast. And it like, you just listen to, you just, when you hear him, it feels like you've been transported back to like the 1940s, sitting in your living room, <laughs> huddled by the radio, <laughs> listening to your evening Bible talk show. <laughs> um, the next guy is Dr. Chuck Missler, one of my favorites. Um, and a lot of these ideas actually for, that I'm going to share with you, I learned from him. And then the third, of course, is Dr. Michael Heiser, which interesting fact, um, Dr. Michael Heiser pulled some of his ideas from Chuck Missler. Chuck Missler was talking about the, what like he dubbed as the unseen realm long before Dr. Michael Heiser even had thought about writing that book, you know? Weird. So it's just really Very cool. And then there are, there are modern biblical scholars who, of course, are building on Dr. Michael Heiser's work. So, and I do follow a couple of them, but these are my three... Bible teachers that I refer to most often. So anyway, doctor, back to Albert Einstein. So when he was a young lad, he had this idea about gravity, but he couldn't prove it because he couldn't prove it working within the three dimensions that we were taught, right? You go to school, you learn geometry, you're actually learning Euclidean geometry, which is only based on three dimensions. That's what we all learn, right? That's what you learned. Modern day people, this is what we're learning. Well, in 1905 and, and finalized, I guess you can say in 1915, Albert Einstein came up with his theories of relativity. And it's basically mm -hmm. a theory about gravity. And I'm sure you guys learned about it in school from teachers who could articulate it way better than I can. But basically, what Albert Einstein was saying is that gravity is less of a force. And in order to make this work, he discovered a fourth dimension, which is time. And so he was saying that gravity is less of a force. And, it, and in addition to that, space and time are not separate they're like the same thing and so so what he was saying is space and time are not separate they form space time a compound word right and gravity is caused by curvature in space time let me explain so what he's saying and what has actually been proven tori 14 times to 19 decimals like proven is that gravity is not force gravity is relative to an object in space-time because each object creates a curvature in space-time that like smushes it holds in and nice and tight <laughs> okay mm -hmm. so there's four dimensions okay and this is all leading up to something well right. sorry excuse me Einstein discovered the fourth dimension of time. Now, before he died, or at the time of his death, he was wrestling with other theories 
that I'm not even going to torture you guys with. But he was wrestling with other theories that he could not figure out. He died a frustrated man. Now, if he had added the fifth and sixth dimension, all the barriers to those theories would have yielded. Which are what? Uh, you're killing me. We're going to stray. Well, you can't just say there's five and six dimensions. Well, because it's not like the main point of this TED Talk. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, fine. So the fifth is the micro is a micro dimension. And then the sixth is like a spiritual dimension. That's the best I can do. Right. I figured. So fifth dimension, sixth dimension. His other theories have been proven true as well. All that to by say, other by other scientists, modern day scientists, yes, that so, took his theories and placed them with completed the them. six mm-hmm. dimensions. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And so you mentioned these two Bible references where angels weren't described as humanoids, basically. Mm-hmm. And so we'll just talk about the most obvious one: Ezekiel's wheel talks about Mm -hmm. four wheels within a wheel and they're spinning and they have your favorite little eyeballs all over them. I say that in jest since they creep Tori out. However, these four wheels are described to be cherubim and later on in, in Ezekiel 10. Now listen to this there. I listened for fun one day on a drive home, a five hour drive home to these two scientists go back and forth describing how dimension works. And this actually started with Chuck Missler as well. So, but these two scientists on this podcast said, imagine being a 2D world, okay? So we are looking at a 2D world and you can just imagine them as stick figures. The ground is a line. Buildings are just large, flat rectangles. Now, if I were to stick my finger into the 2D world, it would look like, it would just come across as a circle, right? Mm -hmm. If I took a cube and stuck it into the 2D world, it would appear as a square, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so these complex shapes are minimized in the best way possible when you go down dimensions. And so, Mm what these two scientists were arguing is when we're seeing Ezekiel's wheel, we're watching a five-dimensional, six-dimensional, seven, eight, nine, twelve-dimensional figure coming through into a 3D world and how that must distort the view of what that being actually is. Like if they're Mm. physically coming oh i see what you're saying like when you go to see a 3d movie you have to have the glasses in order to see it for what it really is but when you take Mm -hmm. them off they don't look right right and it's as though we need to be present in these other spiritual dimensions to see it for what it actually looks like with spiritual eyes to be able to perceive their true form. So he was seeing almost like a glitched version of whatever it really was. A very dumbed down <laughs> version of their actual form, which, which you know, I've had a couple years to kind of chew on this. You know, are the eyes like 
their spiritual attuity, you know what I mean, into mm-hmm. these different realms. And it's just a really fascinating theory that I happen to believe and love. And I wanted to share with you guys. So when you were saying about how you have to have spiritual eyes or be within that these dimensions to see him clearly or correctly even reminds me of what people were describing with their NDEs, how all of their senses were heightened with their feelings, their eye, like what they saw, the color, Mm -hmm. the sounds, how he talked about how there was all these courses that were playing at the same time, but it wasn't chaotic. It was beautiful. It worked Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. (gasps) I met someone this week. Well, I take that back. I spoke with someone that I've known for a long time, but they told me this week about their son's NDE and the color. I'm glad you said the color is one of the things that he spent the most time trying to describe. I mean, he used every word in the dictionary trying to describe these colors um, in a way that she would understand. But he's like, I just I can't I can't tell you I'm trying, but I can't. So, wow. It's interesting that you said that because I thought the same thing. I'm like, because we don't have those eyes here and those colors here. They exist maybe, but we can't see them. Mm-hmm. Which would prove to this this idea. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fascinating, right? I bet you're going to think about this. <laughs> uh, I'm about to hop on YouTube <laughs> as soon as we're done <laughs> recording and look this up because... I have so many ideas, like thoughts and questions. So this podcast I listened to with those two scientists guys, I mean, they were younger guys. Um, if anyone in the audience knows which podcast I'm talking about, Did you just I say have not the been audience. Able to- what? If anyone in our audience, what? People who listen to a podcast. Yeah, it's an- like our listeners are not like sitting here right now. <laughs> Okay. If any you're of like our so, listeners, you're you're in your TED talk. I am. State, like I'm in a different dimension right now. <laughs> <laughs> I see their spiritual ears. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, hey, okay. I want to hop on in. <laughs> so, if any of our listeners know which podcast I'm talking about, please message us because I thought I saved it, but I didn't. And every. No. <laughs> Periodic. I mean, it was a couple years ago when I heard this and periodically I'll spend a good 15 minutes trying to figure out what podcast it was, who these people are. I've Googled every possible thing I could think of and I just have not been able to find it, which is sad because obviously it left an impression on me and um, I would love to listen to them some more. So if anyone has an idea, please send it to us. Yeah. So that was my more fun um, angel thought. thought. The second one is hopefully more encouraging. There's two areas in the Bible that I would like to read from briefly and just share a concept about, you know, how the Lord uses angels in our lives in very impactful ways. So the first one, the first section, I'm going to read quite a few verses to give you guys context. 
but I promise it ends on a pretty cool note. So the first one is in 2 Kings chapter 6, and this is Elisha, and some Bibles will say Syria. This one says Aram, but it's basically Elisha against Syria. So starting in verse 8, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, pause. Do you ever wonder like how you would be referred to by the Lord? Because Elisha gets to be the man of God. You know, there's the one Jesus loves. Mm-hmm. What would your name be in the Bible? Ugh, I was going to ask you that because I still oh. needed to think. The one who makes God laugh. That's what I'll be. <laughs> the one God chuckles at. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, there she goes again. That's my girl. <laughs> oh, no, I got one. I got one. The one the Lord delights in. And I say mm-hmm. that because he very tenderly gave me that message himself. So I'm the one the Lord delights in. The image that came to my mind was last night I had a time of just laying and spending time with the Lord. And again, been a bit a really crazy day. And the person that I was listening to encouraged us to just be present with the Lord. And so I mm. closed my eyes, I laid down, and I felt prompted to just leave my hands open. Mm. And I was laying there, and I immediately saw his chest, like from here down. Mm. And he just went like this. Oh. It's going to make me cry. And then I remember walking towards him and just placing my head on his chest and just feeling all this warmth to where even physically when I was laying there felt my face just really warm mm. and, and, and flushed and he just wrapped his arms around me and I just melted. Mm. So what I thought of mm. was either the one the Lord cherishes or the one the Lord holds. I was going to say the one the Lord holds. <gasps> that one. Yeah, when you said that. <laughs> okay, so after we post this, we have to post um, a survey for people to fill in what they think their Bible name would be. Yes. What? How would you be referred to in the Bible? Love it. Okay. Back to <laughs> what we're talking about. So verse 9, but immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans. My other Bible says Syrians. So the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, 
tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots on fire. And I love this section, right? Because imagine being this king, and he goes outside, and he sees that he's surrounded by the king of Aram's army you know and how hopeless that would feel and then god opens his eyes and he sees that god's army far outnumbers the king of arams because these angels these angel armies that the lord sends on our behalf that gives me Mm -hmm. goosebumps isn't that amazing could you just imagine it just ties into everything that you were just saying to see things in the eyes like and with these spiritual eyes mm-hmm. and that even can go twofold of what we've talked about where the holy spirit guards us from from some mm-hmm. of these things as well mm-hmm. that's super interesting so it made me think of course of psalm 91 and i'm not going to read the whole thing um though i would love to um i'm going to start in verse 9 Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I love that for several reasons. Um, But knowing I was going to read this, and hearing your story at the beginning, I thought of what the Lord says at the end. Because Victoria and her husband hold fast to me in love, I will deliver them and their family. I will protect them because they know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. And with long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. And if that isn't the perfect response to everything you guys went through, not just yesterday, but this week, you know? Like he is so good and so faithful. 
And that's our father. And that's true for all of us. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So all of our listeners who are not our audience, you can fill your name into those verses. I challenge you to go to Psalm 91 and start in verse 14 and put your name in there. Because Silvio holds fast to me. Because Michaela holds fast to me. Because Sarah holds fast to me. Because Don holds fast to me. Actually, one of them, his name is Angel, who listens. So because Angel holds fast to me. I mean, how cool is it if someone told you when you were a kid that whenever you face trouble, the Lord is going to send his army to bear you up. So that you don't even strike your foot. Like, what would that do? I would be like out in the playground, like, watch me. Right? You're treading treading on the lion. You're just like, (laughs) (laughs) I know. I would have honestly probably done a lot more things. I I wouldn't have lived in so much fear, you know? Yes. Good point. Hmm. Good point. And that's probably why they told Elisha, or Elisha said, do not be afraid. That was the first thing that came out of his mouth before he, his eyes were opened. Yeah. So even before he saw, even before his eyes were opened to those things, he commanded him to not be afraid. And the same can be said to us. Yes. Okay. Because, as we've said on the podcast already, over 365 times it's the most repeated phrase in the entire bible do not be afraid do not be afraid do not be afraid we need to hear that and also cling to these verses because we know that the lord is watching over us that because we love him and we call to him and we spend time with him and we seek him that he's watching over us Amen. And he may not always choose to open our eyes, right? That's what I'm saying. He tells us. He tells us a million and one times not to be afraid. (laughs) Hey, don't be afraid. (laughs) Just trust me. You may not see it, but just trust me. And that's true. So listeners, not audience. If Oh my gosh, drop it. (laughs) (laughs) Can you make a caption that says, Dear listeners, not audience? (laughs) No. (laughs) truthfully though on a more somber note if you guys think of it could you just say a prayer for tori and i because she's not joking we both had quite a week where we really had to lean on the lord and yes the lord pulled through for both of us over and over again um however i really believe that the enemy doesn't like what we're doing And that we like to share God's word with you and that we hope to encourage you. So if you think of it, please pray for us. Yes. I know a lot of of podcasters who are believers that have similar types of topics and things like that often speak of asking for prayer for their family because you really do take a hit and um, it's not, it's not has it's worse than I expected to be honest so 
Definitely, definitely would really love your guys' prayers. So. Yes. And we'll continue to pray for you guys as well. Yes. So on that note, guys, stay curious. And stay weird.